I want you to go with me to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to be in 13 and 14. I would love for you to follow along with me. We've been in this series called It's Go Time. And so today I want to bring a message to you that says when you're close, don't give up. Okay? When you're, when you're close, don't give up because there is a, a tendency right before you break through, right before you press in and you obtain the promises of God, you possess that promise that the enemy comes and he says, let me try one last time. And let me see if we can get them to quit. And there's any number of us who would say that we had a 10-mile journey and we quit at mile 9. Anybody Amen. done that? Amen. You, you didn't realize how close you were until you quit. And then you found out. I, I heard there was a, a swimmer who tried to swim the English Channel. And they were within distance of the channel. You could have seen the other side. But it was foggy and so they quit. They got in the boat and then the, the fog broke. And they realized just how close they were. They would have been the first person to swim the channel. Heard a story about a man who dug for gold. He was convinced that his property had gold. And he dug and he dug and he dug. And he couldn't find gold. So he quit. A few years later, some people came back. They dug three more feet. And found the gold. And made millions upon millions. And I want to tell you that right as you're about to press in, and you're about to have the promises of God, you're, you're going to possess the promises. The enemy's going to say, let me see if I can throw one more thing at them and see if I can get them to quit. And so I want you to be in Numbers chapter 13. If you've been following along with us, we're going to look at two different people. We're going to look at the, the people of Israel, and then we're going to look at a, a unique person. His name is Caleb. He is one of my favorite people in all of Scripture. His name means dog. Dog. And if your name is Caleb and you're thinking, I'm not sure I like my name anymore. No, you should. Because, you know, a dog is loyal, right? And a dog is tenacious. And this Caleb is loyal and he's tenacious. And we're comparing that against the people of Israel. And so here's the, the backdrop. The story is that Israel was in bondage in Egypt, and God said, I've heard your cry, and I'm taking you out of bondage. And He gave them Moses to lead them out, and they had some battles initially. Whenever you're going to say yes to God, you're going to have some initial battles, right? Whether or not you should do it. But they weather through that, and then they get out into the wilderness, and they're in the, the middle of it, the thick of it. You ever been in the thick of it? You're, you're in this thing now, you've made your decision, but now it's a little bit weird and confusing and you're trying to figure out what to do. And, and there were some battles there. Those were some previous messages. And now they're at the place, whoo, man, you can see it and taste and touch it now. It's close. This promised land that God has said is close enough that He says, I wanted you to send some spies out. Look at what He says. It's chapter 13, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send out for yourself men so that they may spy out the land of Canaan. That's the promised land. Which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Are y'all reading that carefully? Amen. I, I just want to make sure you're reading that carefully. Because when we get to a certain point, if you hadn't read that carefully, you're going to mess up. Right. Can I just tell you that? Right. Can I just tell you that when God gives you a word, you need to keep that word just like God gave it to you. 
You don't need to add anything to it. You don't need to take anything away from it. You need to try to get it down just exactly like he gave it. Did you? I'm going to read it one more time just so you can get it. Just like he said it. He said, spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to the sons of Israel. Anybody see anything there? You shall send a man from each of his father's tribes, every one a leader among them. Now he tells them to go out and spy the land, but he doesn't really tell them how they're supposed to deal with what they see. It's just like God sometimes to say, I'm going to send you on a mission, and part of the mission is going to reveal the heart that you have when you're in the mission. So they, they don't know what to do other than to go and spy the land. So he tells them over in verse 17 through 20, he says, I want you to take a look at the people. I want you to assess the people. I want you to assess the land. Is it good or is it bad? Are the, the camps fortified or not? Is the, the land fat or lean? Are the trees there or not? Is the fruit good? And so these 12 spies go out and they spy the land. And they come back. And they tell him it's just exactly like God said it was. In fact, they carry this grape, it says, on a pole between them. Now, I've seen some big grapes at the grocery store. And I like some big old juicy grapes, but I've never seen one carried between two men with a, with a pole. And so they, they say, this thing is exactly like God said. But now here's the thing. When you're seeing what you're up against, it's not only important to, to make note of the facts, but how you interpret the facts are important too. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not just what you're looking at. It's not just what you're up against, but it's the conclusions you draw That's when good. you see something. Now, ten of these spies draw a particular conclusion. They draw the conclusion that it's just as good as God said. But then look at verse 28. I'm glad this is a word that we don't use much. It's called nevertheless. I said, Lord, that's three words wrapped up into one. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. We have another word that we use. But. But. Either one of those will do. Nevertheless or but. Now let me explain how you... You don't want to do things. There's a particular order in which we obey God. And the order you place things that you perceive is very important. Here's what ten spies did. They said, whoo, this land is good. It's flowing with milk and honey. Just like God said, but. Or nevertheless. Nevertheless, this land is full of giants. The cities are fortified. There are armies all over the place. If we dared even try, these people would kill us. You ever had a prayer like that? Where you were like, God, I know you said. You start out pretty good, right? I know you said. And you, you talk about a promise of God. But you don't end on God. You end on the problem. You see, they... They weighted the danger more than they weighed the Word of God. They put more weight on the danger than the Word. Have you ever done that? Is there anybody in the room like that? It doesn't matter what God says. Whatever the problem is, you're going to give more weight to that. And so God may have given you a promise in Scripture, and you'll look at that and go, yeah, that's good, but... 
God saw the giants. He knew they were there. He, he saw the fortifications. He knew they were there. The problem was not in what they saw. It is in the conclusions that they drew. And the conclusion was the danger outweighed the promise of God. The enemies were greater than God. The fortifications were stronger than them. And so they issue a bad report. You ever gotten a bad report? You get a bad report. I, I wrote out in my Bible, I put, what makes for a bad report? You want to know what makes for a bad report? Yes, sir. When you start with God and end with your problem. That makes a bad report. Anytime you start with God, but you end on your problem, you will have a bad report. Now, the report might be true. Anybody ever gone to the doctor and got a bad report? Yeah. Now, the, the test they gave is true. More than likely. The question is, what's the conclusion you're going to draw from it? What's the conclusion? There are times where people say, you, you can't do that. And they'll explain all the reasons why. And you'd have to look at those and go, you know what? Everything they listed is true. Every problem they listed is, is true. But the question is, are you going to weigh that more than you weigh God? So they give a bad report. Now, once you begin a bad report, you're on a slippery slope. Anybody ever been on a slippery slope? You start heading in one direction. You can't stop yourself. You start heading toward being negative, being critical, feeling discouraged and defeated. And before long, you found yourself in a pit. Watch the slippery slope. It started with they weighed the problem more than the promise. Then they gave a, a bad report. And now in verse 33, it says... There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers. Those people they're talking about, giants. Giants in the land. And it said, we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. Mm. I wish I could tell you that I've never looked at an enemy and felt like a grasshopper. <laughs> but I have. And you probably admit that you have too. That you looked at something and you went... Who am I? You ever said, who am I? You ever looked at yourself and said, I am clearly not capable for this assignment. I don't, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough smarts. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough experience. I don't have the right kind of parents. I don't have something. And all of a sudden, that bad report, you start getting smaller and smaller and smaller in your own eyes. But look what happens. It gets worse. And so were we in their sight. There's a correlation between what you think of yourself and how other people treat you. Did you know that? There is a real correlation. If you walk into a room and think you're nothing, most people will treat you like nothing. Because you get what you believe. You, you get what you think's coming. And so you don't see yourself as anything. And so somebody says something to you, and what do you do? You automatically cave, right? Because you feel a certain way. And then I wonder, did they go around and ask the giants what the giants think? You know, like, giant, what do you think about me? Who cares what the giants think about you? Huh? Can I, can I just... Who cares? What the enemy says about you. 
Who says what the devil and all the little demons and, and, and your enemy and the people that don't like you? Who, who cares what they say? Why? Why do we care so much about what people say? They became little in their own eyes. They became little in the sight of everybody else. I don't know if they asked the giants or not. Half the times we're afraid of people, and you know what? People don't even care about you. They're too busy caring about themselves. Yeah. Y'all remember my rule, right? Y'all remember my rule? The 16-40-60 rule? Y'all don't know? <sighs> Let me tell you. Here's the 16-40-60 rule. I'm at the 40-ish part. At 16, you care about what everybody says. You live your life worried about what everybody thinks about you. Walk around wondering what people are thinking. At, at 40, you just stop caring what people think. You know, you're like, I don't care what they say. You know, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do my thing. At 40, you don't care. But at 60, you reach a higher level. At 60, you realize, look, they wasn't thinking about you anyway. <laughs> For 60 years, you made it up. They didn't even care. They were too busy thinking about themselves. Couldn't care less about you. But you made all these decisions based on what you thought people were going to think. So then it continues. Now they're small in their own eyes and now they begin to grumble. None of us have ever grumbled in our prayers. No. I know you don't even know what a grumbling prayer is like, so I'm going to give you one just because you've never prayed one of these before. It's something like this. God, verse, chapter 14, verse 3. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? You ever pray that, Lord God, why did you take me this far to kill me? Why did you take me this far and abandon me? God, do you see all the things going wrong? Do you not care? God, are you listening? Yeah, y'all are looking at me going, be very quiet. He won't think it's me. We start grumbling. If we're not careful, we'll start grumbling to each other. And before long, not only have we been defeated, but we'll defeat everybody around us. Now nobody's got faith. Now everybody believes that we're going to be destroyed. And so now we're in this entire culture that says you can't get there from here. Mm. So they begin to grumble. They begin to ask God, why is He bringing them? Why did He bring them that far to kill them? And then they say this, let us get a leader and return to Egypt. Mm. Oh my goodness, when it gets tough, when it's tougher than we thought, how easy it is for your mind to say, I'll just go back to the hell I wanted to leave. You ever, you ever had that thought run, by, run through your mind? we got to make this personal or it won't make any sense. We're not talking about our neighbors. We're talking about us. <laughs> of being in that situation where you were so close. But then you allowed yourself to, to begin to feel defeated and to grumble to the point that you think, you know what, I'll just go back to the way it used to be. That's the hell you were praying to get out of. Can I remind you of that? That's the thing that you prayed and asked God, God, take me from it. There, there are people who will go back to their addictions. Why? 
Because at least that's a familiar kind of hell. It's familiar. I know what I'm getting into, right? When you step out with God, let me say this and listen real carefully. When you're going to follow God, it's going to be uncomfortable and it won't be familiar. I'm going to say that again. It won't be comfortable and it won't be familiar. And if you can't deal with uncomfortable and unfamiliar, you're going to have a hard time following God. You're going to have a hard time following God because God says, I want to show you some stuff you've never seen before. I want to take you into some things and I want to speak some things you've never heard before. Do some things you've never done before. But to do that, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. That's why He gave you a Holy Spirit, a comforter. You're going to have to go in some places that are unfamiliar. You say, I don't know that situation. I don't know how to deal in that realm. And you're going to have a choice to make. Will you press in to pursue the promise? Or you say, you know what? That's uncomfortable. I know what this is like. I'll go back here. You ever read about the person that throws a rock through the window, sits down by the window and waits for the policeman to take them back to jail? Why? Because they don't know freedom. They only know prison. And, and freedom's scary. Do you know that God came to set you absolutely free? And freedom can be one of the scariest things you've ever had. Because it's like, what do you want me to do, God? He says, you can do whatever you want to do. Did you know that there are Christians that don't know that that's actually the assignment? God says, you're free. Now go do whatever you want to do. And most people are like, what should I do? Tell, tell me what to do. Like, tell me one step upon the other. And God says, no, I set you free. I want me and you to do this together. And you go, oh, no, that's scary. I'll just throw a rock through the window and sit and wait for the police to come take me back to prison. At least I know I got three meals a day. At least I know where I'm going to sleep. They want to go back to Egypt. Don't go back to Egypt. There's nothing for you in Egypt. The only reason Egypt sounds like a good alternative is because you ain't been there in a while. That was a good word. It was better than you thought. <laughs> you just hadn't been there. But when you get back there, it'll be every bit as bad as you remembered it. So you might as well press in. And so they, they, they wanted a leader. They wanted to go back. Look at verse 20, chapter 14. And so the Lord said... I have pardoned them according to your word, but indeed as I live, this is God talking. God says, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Woo! I still believe he means it. Do you? I still believe God means it. That he said, as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. But then he said in verse 22, But those of you who wouldn't believe me, who would not listen, verse 23, by no means will you see the land. Amen. Mm. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said, I hope you never get to heaven and meet the person that carried out the assignment that you wouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I said, I hope you don't get to heaven and meet somebody and find out they're the one that carried out the assignment that you were put on the earth to do. Ooh, well, Lord, that'd make you sad, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. Here's another thing I hope never happens to us. 
that God looks at us and says, I will do it. As sure as I live, I'll do it. But you'll never see it done. You'll never see it done. I'm going to do it. As sure as I live, I'm going to do it. But you'll never see it. That's a sobering word, is it not? When I read that, there is something that stirs in my heart that says, I want to see it. I want to be there to see it. I want to step in to the promises of God. I want to see it, God. And then he says something else to them in verse 33. He says, your sons, your sons shall be shepherds for 40 years in the wilderness, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness. Whether you know it or not, the people around you will suffer for our unfaithfulness. The people around us can't help but suffer when we don't trust God. Take Him at His word. You see, the, the parents didn't believe God, and so the kids are going to have to wander around in the desert for 40 years. And you said, what did the kids do? Really nothing. Really nothing. That's the, the amazing thing about free will. Do you realize that? That's how incredibly powerful you are, that your decisions count. Did you know that? Your decisions count. You ought to say that. Look at somebody say, my decisions count. Yeah. And because... God has made you powerful. And because God says you have free will and your decisions count, do you realize that a bad decision will affect the people around you? We always like to talk about how we've been affected by somebody else's bad decision, don't we? We always talk about what our mamas and daddies did. And that's why we're in the shape that we're in. We don't mind blaming people. My parents are in the room. They never did anything wrong. They got it all right. <laughs> but we don't ever want to admit, hey, man of God, woman of God, your decisions count. And people around you will be influenced and may suffer if you choose not to go in, if you choose not to claim the promises of God. So I look at that and I'm like, I don't want to be that person. And I'm, I'm just guessing that there is nobody in the room that wants to be like that either, do you? That there's no one here that wants to get right up to the promised land and can't step in and, and, and claim it. That decides, you know what, it's too unfamiliar, it's too uncomfortable, I'm just going to go back to what used to be. I don't think there's anybody in the room like that. So then, let's look at the story again, but let's look at it through this guy Caleb's eyes. That when he is told to go out and spy the land, he listens and he hears something in it. Go back to verse 2. Did you hear it? If you heard it, raise your hand. And if you didn't, it's okay. The key was in the original assignment. Listen to it. Send out for yourself men so they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I am going to give to them. Amen. He gave them the outcome when he made the promise. Amen. Did you see it? Yeah. The outcome's in the promise. He says, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. 
So when they went out and spied the land, it wasn't to decide on whether or not God was going to give it to them. That wasn't the question. The question was, go out and spy the land so you'll know how I'm going to do it. You see, the question with the promises of God is not whether or not He will do them. The question is, how is He going to do them? And when you look at the circumstances and the situations of your life, it is not to make you doubt that He will do it. It's just to make you look and go, hey, you know what? That fortified city, it's got to come down. That giant, got to die. Those people, got to leave. Do you see that? The question is never, oh my goodness, there's a giant. I don't think we can do it. No. You have to interpret and draw conclusions based on the Word of God and the promises of God. And if I can just say this, that's why you need to know the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word of God, you don't know the promises of God. So you don't even have a starting point for interpreting what God is doing in your life. And what God wants to do is for you to know these promises personally. That He can burn them in your heart. And so, Caleb looks at that and says, Wait a minute, God said to spy the land that he was going to give to us. So when they all start fussing and complaining, look at what Caleb does in verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for surely we will overcome it. Surely we will overcome it. Caleb saw the exact same thing that everybody else said. But look at his conclusion. Everybody else is saying, we can't do it. And Caleb said, come on, let's go. We got them. Come on, let's go. You remember me that, that one week I was, I was like, roar. <laughs> you got to have a little, little roar inside of you. You got to have a little something that says, my guy said he was giving us this land. Now y'all be quiet. Come on, let's go. That's it. Come on, it's ours. Let's go get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not their land, it's our land. That's not the enemy's promise, that's my promise. That's our promise. Let's go get it. Rawr! Some of you didn't know you could growl in church. You should. Because if you don't growl, you'll grumble. Yeah. Can I say that one more time? Yeah. You, better, you better learn to growl, because if you don't growl, you'll grumble. That's good. That's power. <laughs> now everybody's doing it. That's power. Yeah. So he says, surely we will take this thing. They asked the question, why is the Lord bringing us into this land? Do you know if you ask the wrong question, you'll get the wrong answer? I take a long time to figure out what the right question is in my life. Because if I'm operating off the wrong question, I'll get the wrong answer. They said, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? I think the right question was this. Why would the Lord bring us into this land to fall by the sword? Why would He? Why would God take you this far and neglect you? Why would God take you this far and then decide He's just going to abandon you and kill you? 
Why would God do all that He has done in your life and now all of a sudden you call on Him and you can't find Him? Why would He? He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Because He loves you too much. And He is too good. And so then He has a different perspective. They think they're small and they think they're small to themselves and, and to the giants. But look at what Caleb says in verse 9. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they will be our prey. The King James Version says this, we'll eat them like bread. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, we will eat them like bread. When something stands between you and a promise of God, you ought to see it as bread. And you ought to look around and say, we'll eat it as bread. <laughs> and so then, there are these folks that aren't going to be able to go into the land. Those ten spies, they're going to die out. The people of that generation that, that didn't know God that way, they're going to die out. But God says, but my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me fully. I'm in verse 24, chapter 14. I will bring into the land which he entered and his descendants shall take possession of it. Did you see that? He said, the other folks, they can't go in because they don't think they can. And because they don't think they can, they can't. Yeah, do you see that? If you don't think you can, you can't probably. But if you've got a promise of God and you know you can, then you're like Caleb. And so God says, this generation can go, but this coming generation will. And Caleb and Joshua yeah. will go with yeah. them because they have a different spirit. I've been praying over you this week, God, give us a different spirit. Give us a different spirit than the world. Give us a different spirit than, than some believers who can quote the promises of God and yet will never possess one. Give us a different spirit that we, would, that we would step into the promises of God. And I will tell you this, when I look at what Caleb and Joshua were doing, they were suggesting that a, a group of people would go and fight giants. That is a little scary when you think about it. But God. Can I tell you there's always risk involved in whatever you do? Amen. So a lot of people think there's too much risk. I'll just go back and do my own thing. I can't follow God. It's too risky. No, unfaithfulness is risky. Look what it costs their kids. There's always a risk. There's a risk for unfaithfulness because you won't inherit what you're supposed to inherit. And then your kids can't walk in what they're supposed to walk in. Woo! That's good. But there is also a risk that you are sending people out at their own peril. Can I tell you that if you're going to step into the promises of God, there will be some peril. But it, there's peril anyway. There is a risk for unfaithfulness. There is a risk for faithfulness. But I've got to decide. I've got to have a spirit like Caleb. You and I have to have that spirit that says, listen, if there's going to be danger, then I'm going in and I'm going to eat it like bread. 
And I'm going to step in to, to the promises that are, that are of, for me. And so he walks in. And here's the cool thing. I used to think this was a story about how the people didn't make it in. That's all I could focus on. In fact, when God tells them that they can't go in, they start weeping and mourning. And I had to ask this question. I want to ask it of you. Did you notice that when there was a bad report, Israel could believe it? But when there was a good report, they couldn't believe it. Did you see that? Every time there's a bad word, Israel can believe it. You are not like this, but you have some friends. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Come on. Call the roll, Kevin. Call the roll. Call the roll. You aren't like this, but you have some friends. And it doesn't matter how good things are going, they can find a bad report in it. Yeah? It doesn't matter what's going on. As soon as somebody says something bad, your friend believes it. Yeah. Why is it that it's so easy to believe a bad report? It's so easy to believe that the wheels are going to fall off. It's so easy to believe that, it, that it's gonna, it's, you're going to mess up, that you're going you're to disappoint people. It's so easy to believe that God's going to punish you. i got good news for you. God's always been for you. You've believed a bad report. He's been for you. And if by chance there is anyone in the room and you would have to admit today, you know what? I believe bad reports much more than I believe the good ones. Then I would say that, you know what? Maybe today's a good day to repent. <laughs> Maybe today's a good day to say, you know what, God? I own that. Every time there's a, a, a chance of bad, I believe it. But I struggle believing the good. God, today, I repent of always believing the bad, and I choose to believe you. I choose to walk in the promises of God. Hmm. And so, today I, I would say to you that we need this spirit of Caleb. So to finish that story in, in Joshua chapter, I believe it's 14, we won't turn there in the interest of time. But Joshua and Caleb, they go in. The people are, are there and it's time to sort things out as to who is going to get what. And Caleb is asked, what do you want? What inheritance yeah, do you want? Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all are yeah. excited. Isn't this good? Yeah. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Caleb, what do you want? Caleb says, I want the same doggone mountain that God promised me 40 years ago that has the giants on it. He never wavered in 40 years. His eyes are still on doing the will of God. In fact, I believe that generation came into the promised land because Caleb was going around for 40 years going, they say we can't do it, but I'm telling you we can. I'm telling you. I'm telling you we can do it. He go up to the next tribe. He say, look, I know y'all didn't have faith for this, but I'm telling you we can do it. I'm telling you, if we'll just get together and do this thing of God, we'll do it. He finds somebody scared. He say, come on, come on, pick yourself up. Look, we can take these people. Yeah. I'm wondering if there are any Caleb's in the yes, room. Sir. Yes, sir. Hmm? Yes, sir. 
that not only can you carry the will of God for your life, but you can encourage somebody else to do it too. Yeah, yeah. See, as far as we know, Caleb's not even in leadership. Joshua's not mentioned. Joshua's got Moses. He can lean on Moses to encourage him. Who's encouraging the Caleb's? <laughs> There's something inside the Caleb's that find encouragement just from God and can go around to everybody else and say, come on, let's do it. So 40 years later, even though Caleb suffers and he has to wait 40 years, he never gives up on the promise. So 40 years later, they say, Caleb, what do you want to do? He said, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> for 40 years I have waited for you to ask, give me the mountain. Give me the promise. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb said, I have the same heart today that I had back then. Can I tell you that when you know a promise of God, Keep the same heart from day one until you finish. Don't lose heart. Take the promises of God. What happened? He destroyed those giants. That mountain was named for the biggest of them. And I think Caleb probably walked up that mountain going, where's the big one? Where's the big one? Fellas, I got this one. So I say all that to say this. You know, we, we have something that we believe God is doing here. We believe that God has told us that this place is too small, that we've got to go to another place, and it's really because of you guys. And what I started seeing in you, I'm like, this ain't big enough for them. This is not big enough for all the friends that they have that are going to come to know Christ, the neighbors that they have that are going to be helped, the people that they work with that they're going to bring. This place is, is not big enough. And I want you to focus on one thing. Moses was ready to enter in. Joshua was ready to enter in. Caleb was ready to enter in. But the people weren't ready. Come on. Deal with that. Deal with it. Deal with it. Can I tell you, you can't ride my coattail on this one. You got to have your own faith for this. You got to play your own part. You got to stir up the gifts inside of you. You got to operate in your gifts and your anointings. You can't watch and say, I'm just going to ride in on Kevin because it wasn't up to Moses. Right, <laughs> right here, this, Moses didn't get to make this decision. The people made this decision. You got a decision to make. Yes. Yes. We always like it when someone else makes decisions for us, I know. Uh -huh. You're like, go on ahead, Kevin. That'd be good. When you get it all settled, we'll, I'll be right in behind you. <laughs> Not this time. This is about us. This is about the people of God. God is saying, I want to do something and I can't point to one person. One person won't get all the glory for this. When this is done, they won't say, wow, look at Kevin, or look at this person, or look at D. They'll say, I have no idea how they did that. And we will say, but God. <laughs> Nevertheless, God. They say, I don't know how in the world you guys did that. And you say, <laughs> yeah, there were some obstacles. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, but God did it. And then this, 
There is an entire group of Christians. Don't, don't give up on me. Listen to this one. This is important. Because this affects our kids. It affects the next generation. There, there is a, a form of Christianity that can quote the promises of God and can sing the promises of God and can preach the promises of God, but don't know a thing about walking into the promises of God. And I believe that we have sung and preached and taught and worked ourselves up and would get right up to the promised land and go, oh, no, that's too much. That's too much for us. And turn around and go right back to another worship service. Acting like we big. But scared of giants. Can I tell you that when Jesus came, it says that he established a government to which there was no end. Come on, sir. That the increase of that government, would there would be no end. Can I tell you that God is not losing, he's winning. Amen. He's winning. Now you can believe the news and any other bad reports you want to. But God said he's coming back for a spotless bride. Miss Joyce? Miss Joyce believes and I believe that God is coming back for a spotless bride a victorious bride I am not of the camp and you're not going to like me much can I just go on and tell you you're not going to like me much if you think everything's going to hell in a handbasket because I believe that the kingdom of God is coming and he's taking ground in my life and he's taking ground in your life and if you will introduce Him at work, He will take ground there. And that as we yield to the King, that we will see righteousness and justice and peace and love and healing in the land. Now, does that mean that everybody's going to come to Jesus? I see no evidence of that in Scripture. But I am. <laughs> I can't tell you what everybody else is going to do, but I can tell you what I've set my mind to do. What have you set your mind to do? I believe that the darkness will get darker, but the light will get lighter. So we got to be a kingdom people. You can't be sitting there going, oh, it's just terrible, and I just hope that I'll go home and be with Jesus. And Lord Jesus, come and just take all the evil away. You got to be kingdom minded. Psalm, yeah, you can clap there. Psalm, Psalm twenty three said this: "I'm going to prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm going to present a table, prepare a table before you in the in the presence of your enemies." Can I tell you, the church is not losing. It's only the people that believe they're losing are losing. Only the people that believe they're losing are losing. And you know why? Because they're not fighting. They're not even fighting because they've given up. Have you given up? Don't give up. Don't give up. There's no reason to give up until we go in and we possess the land. One last thing. This thing's been on my heart all week. There was another shooting in this community. Did you read about it? Close to home. Close to where some of our, our folks live. And the tendency is this. We'll get together. We'll have prayer. We'll light some candles. I'm not trying to be offensive here, but I'm just telling you what's burning in my heart, okay? 
that I'm telling you that, that songs in and of themselves are not going to fix this issue of young men and women killing each other. Lighting candles is not going to fix this issue of young men and women killing each other. Uh, preaching messages alone is not going to do it. We got to go possess the land, folks. We, we, we've got to decide that streets and neighborhoods and communities are going to receive the promises of God. That young men and young women are going to live their full age. We, we can't accept the fact that young men and women are dying in streets. And, and you don't have an excuse if the ones that are dying don't look like you. That's no excuse. God values every single life. And there has to be some Caleb's in the room. Pastor D and I have said this. We said, you know what? We'll, we'll go. We'll go to prayer meetings and we'll, we'll sing and we'll worship and we'll, we'll light candles. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. There's some Caleb's and Joshua's in here. Yeah. Some of you are the unlikely suspects. The world doesn't think it's you. That's why you're perfect for it. And you have something to say. You have something to give. You have work to do. And if we don't do it, can I go on and tell you God's going to do it? As sure as He lives, God is going to do it. The question is, are you going to see it done?